0: No more to sabu goatu or hatu or sama sambutasa. No more to sabu Often on Saturdays, people kindly bring me a copy of the the Guardian newspaper. So that happened today, and I'm thankful for that. And it was interesting to have a look at it and read through, or glance through some of the articles, and quite uh, noticeable how much talk there was about happiness the anticipation with which one normally picks up a newspaper. You expect to hear all sorts of doom and gloom and misery, but uh, this was uh, rather cheerful, and congratulations to the Guardian for striking a, a different note. And of course, a lot of the um, concern about happiness is what we're familiar with, which is it's the time of sales, and you know, it'll make you happy if you go and buy all these gadgets and these clothes and and all these things that are attractively presented and available and that's understandable, there's nothing new about that, Uh, but there were also other presentations on um, how to approach happiness and I was delighted to see, I didn't read it, but there's one little booklet in there about how when you bring mindfulness to bear on your exercise routine uh, it's more likely to be productive. And perhaps some of you also saw earlier this week on the BBC breakfast television, there were two days in a row broadcasts at, at uh, peak breakfast television viewing time, that is uh, 5, 2 or 10 to 8, and apparently in the morning, that's when a lot of people are watching it. Uh, anyway, there were these, um, in two days in a row there were program on Mindfulness Meditation and some BBC reporter actually putting himself through a, I think it was a seven day course and uh, getting his brain scanned and and seeing if there's any real empirical evidence to prove. There's apocryphal evidence, a lot of people will of course praise it but uh, uh, the market out there before they invest money in it of course want to have some empirical evidence and And not just himself, but also a pain sufferer, uh, also underwent the seven-day mindfulness meditation training course. And both from her own experience and also from the uh, brain scan evidence, uh, there was uh, positive results. And so uh, it's always inspiring to see where people do engage the pursuit of happiness with mindfulness, on the opposite, it's kind of despairing when one sees people engaging in the pursuit of happiness without mindfulness, with heedlessness. But as I was saying, there's nothing wrong with that or anything new about that, it's always been that way. It just depends how we pitch our quest for happiness, from which, from which dimension of who and what we are are we seeking happiness? On what frequency are we operating? If we're coming from the, the level of contracted, compacted self, diluted ego, me, then of course happiness equals getting what I want. Now We're all familiar with this. But we're also familiar with how short-lived that is, no, no, there's limitless evidence of what happens when we uh, fall for the the, uh, the story that when I get what I want, I'll be happy. But it's normal. It's not like it's wrong. I think it's important to understand that when we catch ourselves uh, following that story, that it's not like something going wrong, or we should condemn ourselves, or get judgmental of ourselves or others. You know, you, you see the, <coughs> the, the the story that that's put out in, in the newspapers and television, the advertising, the sales. That you know, that's the story that's there. You know, that's the story behind all of that industry. Is you will be happy when you get what you want. Now we could fall for getting negative about that and and, and critical of it, but it's perhaps more productive if we understand what's going on and see that that's. That's what happens when we pursue happiness with a limited level of awareness. From the perspective of, as I said, from the perspective of the contracted self, that's what I believe. That's that's my frame of reference, is me. But as I'm sure many of us, if not all of us, have already realized that When you practice a little meditation or even without formal meditation if you just value the cultivation of awareness and and exercising mindfulness in daily life what begins to emerge is the recognition that we do have a choice. This is not the only perspective on happiness. That if we investigate the process of seeking happiness with some feeling awareness with some sensitivity not just with a philosophical opinion or or, or some idealistic notion of how self-seeking is wrong or uh, egotistic pursuits are wrong you know, that's 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 a bit too initial but if we consider use our minds to engage in the process and say well doing this did it bring real happiness, did it bring real well-being, did it bring real contentment I read in the paper that there's there's apparently a move now to gauge the the national happiness quotient I'm not quite sure how they're going about it but I believe the statistics have been released so 200,000 Britons have been questioned on are you happy are you anxious or whatever else questions they ask and apparently the, the evidence is good Uh, 7 out of 10 people give their life a good rating. Uh, What what level of happiness is that? And what level of happiness is that? Is that sustainable? Is that the level of happiness of me getting what I want, which has to be fueled over and over again by more of my, what is in effect, gratification? Or is it having investigated the whole process of happiness? Is there a level of happiness that is self-sustaining, or automatically sustaining, rather than one that's always gobbling up a huge amount of, of energy. Yeah. And this, of course, is where, as I was saying, when we cultivate mindfulness and reflective awareness, we start to see that this level of happiness, of which is we better call gratification, which is perfectly normal at the level of, of, of ego or contracted self, this level of, of happiness is, doesn't really make me feel good. It's only sort of good. It's kind of like a cheap hit, really. So with this wise reflection on the process of seeking happiness, then we come to the conclusion quite quickly that, no, that's not, that's not a good use of energy. That's not sustainable. It's very energy extravagant. And so the interest arises in well, what other happiness might there be outside of gratification of desire? I was speaking um, recently with a, a friend uh, who, with whom I correspond on a regular basis with, somebody who lives in America, and they were reporting about their practice and, and saying how well the Christmas and New Year period went. It didn't start off bright because they started to slip into old habits of, oh, do I have to do this with the family? Do I have to do that? And, but he's been putting a little bit more effort into his formal practice, in the last uh, year, in the past year. And what emerged quite spontaneously for him was a recognition. At a certain point, it just, it just kind of kicked in, this recognition, I've got a choice. I could grumble about having to go and give presents to my family who I don't see through the rest of the year, or I could engage it in a more gracious way. He got that choice. And his experience was that by exercising this choice, remembering this choice, remembering that you've got this option, we've got the choice to be contented or to be discontented. And it's up to us whether we exercise that choice. Now, if there's not reflective awareness, if there's not spaciousness, if, if the self is too contracted and not transparent, from the perspective of transparent self, from the perspective of where we learn to not take our self quite so seriously... We can examine these processes. Now, I don't want to go and do that with a family. Yeah, okay, I don't want to go and do that with a family. But so what? That's just What is I don't want really from the perspective of awareness? What is I don't want really? Now for the perspective of me in my world where I'm asleep, I'm not awake, I'm not seeing, I'm in a state of... of of, of unawareness from that perspective this I want is of profound importance and if I don't get what I want I'm not going to be happy that is the perspective when we're asleep as I was saying in the beginning there's nothing wrong with that that's just what happens when you're asleep when you are unaware. it's like you know like when we're asleep at night and you have all sorts of wacky dreams you wake up do you beat yourself up because you just committed all these terrible things? No. Oh, well, I was asleep. we, We forgive ourselves because we understand, oh, I was asleep. Well, it's very similar when we don't have awareness. We're in a state of asleep, a state of unawareness. We misperceive the activity of life. We misperceive experiences consistently. And so likely, I don't want to do that. From the perspective of being asleep and unaware, that seems really important, and I my rights. And and like one of the newspaper advertisements that was talking about happiness was this big advertisement that said, it's all about you, 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 which obviously contrasts reality, which is it's not all about you at all. But that's the story that is being put out. This is about you. You really matter. Yeah. Ultimately, it's what you want, and whether you get it, this is really, really important. But if we have a contrasting perspective on that, what does it feel like? From the perspective of stepping back and looking at that, you know, feeling that, not, not pretending you don't feel, I don't want to do that with the family, uh, not pretending that we don't want, or we want, still feeling, I don't want to do that, absolutely no doubt about it, I do not want to do that, but there's a space around it. You know, there's a perspective on it. And out of that clearer perspective we can make different choices. I say, well, I don't have to follow. I don't want that. It's not an obligation. It's not an obligation to follow the impulse to be grumpy at Christmas. It's not an obligation. It's a choice. And we also choose and say, well, just put that to one side and do the right thing. And then my friend that I was talking about, his experience was actually, he came through the whole thing feeling really strong and confident. He did various things that he didn't want to do, but it was the right thing to do, and it ended up actually making other people happy. And then we start another process, whereby we're getting energy by doing what our heart's telling us to do, rather than what my way is dictating. So again, this uh, this is not obvious from the beginning because the story that most people believe in, most of us believe in for most of our life, is that happiness comes by getting what I want. But what this intuition is asking us to consider is that contentment, which is a self-sustaining level of happiness, contentment, that contentment comes through this moment this experience this reality without any desire to it if we see what's happening right now but we don't add desire to it that equals contentment that's the equation this moment without desire equals contentment now if we get that that's a very basic message it's a very basic understanding that if we, if we can just, just code that in, even if we don't necessarily completely understand it, but we just put that in to the mix and consider it and think about it on a regular basis. This moment, without desire added, equals contentment. And then we start to get the feeling that we can do this. We can do this. We can see desire, desire to get, desire to get rid of, desire to become, all the different forms of desire. With mindfulness, you can start to see these things. You start to see this. It's a movement. It's a movement. It's not an ultimate reality. It's a movement in mind. You can see it. There's nothing wrong with it. There's absolutely nothing wrong with desire. What might be wrong is if we engage the desire. It might be wrong. It might be right. But the desire itself is just a movement. And from the perspective of awareness, there's a possibility of seeing it. And so then our interest in happiness broadens or deepens instead of just me feeling, believing, actually feeling utterly convinced that I will be happy when I get what I want and I won't be happy when I don't get what I want. There's another perspective which is I can choose, I can exercise the choice to be contented. We have this possibility. And so... It's not even about becoming contented. Hmm. Santosa is the, the Pali word for contentment, and you know, sometimes is the idea. We, I've got. I want to become contented. Being contented is a virtuous thing, so I'm going to become contented. Well, we need to be a little bit more subtle than that. And uh, contentment is the way; it's not the goal. Yeah. So we exercise making the choice to be contented. How do you do it? Like you're sitting in meditation. I was contemplating this earlier, sitting in meditation, and how what is it to be contented? You know, what is it? some some pain in the body? Do we have to add desire to that? If it's not a, if it's not too gross a pain, we can investigate it. See. Of course, we could add desire to it. I wish it would go away. I wish it was something like that. We could add that. But do we have to? We don't have to. There's pain. There is pain. That's it. That's a fact. That's We can be contented with pain. Or maybe the mind is a bit active. Yeah. How can we be contented with an active, busy mind? Well, rather than coming up with a theory about that, to investigate that. How can I be contented with, this, with my mind that's active and busy? I'd like to have a nice, concentrated, clear, bright, and, um, radiant mind. But maybe it's not. It's like this. I'll be contented if I can just get rid of all the confusion. Well, that's one approach. But how about if we just choose to not add desire to this already, this fire, we don't add any fuel to this fire, and choose to be contented with an active, busy mind. So we get a feeling for this: is a, a very warm, nourishing sense of confidence comes from the, the validity of practice. This is not just something to believe in. That's another. Um, Orientation of people's pursuit of happiness to get the right belief. When I'm believing in the right thing, I'll be happy, and a lot of spiritual disciplines will tell us that. And if you're believing in the wrong thing or not believing the right thing, then you you will not be happy. And so right now, there's a lot of people believing that the world's going to come to an end. 2012, the Mayan culture apparently said the world was going to come to an end. It's a sign. There's this calendar, apparently, carved in stone, I believe, that uh, a lot of people seem to be talking about. And so we could believe in that. We could believe in what the, uh, the good Mayan people uh, carved into stone, however many years ago. But as a sign to believe in, well, that's very relative. I mean, there's a lot of speculation about the Mayan calendar. Now, Buddha, was. this is not something that the Buddha wasn't aware of either. You know, if somebody came to the Buddha and asked "Mate," he says, well, actually, I can give you other signs that are not worth believing in, but are worth investigating. And so, again, in the pursuit of happiness, what do we believe in? We believe in things that we think are going to make us happy. Well, the Buddha held up three signs, which you're all aware of, Anicca, dukkha Anatta. All things are unstable. All things are not satisfying all things are not self so <clears throat> even the opinion about the main calendar uh, is it sure or is it not sure well, even if it turns out to be true getting all anxious about it now what, what's the point of that what, what, what's, what's the validity in getting all anxious about the world coming to an end <laughs> now of course we're not going to you know, do anything to bring it about in a hurry hopefully as with our body, we, we all know this is going to die. Absolutely. We, we, we were aware of that and we're not going to do anything to hurry it along. So the idea of getting a, a believing in some speculative opinion uh, something that the Buddha said, if you really want to find sustainable happiness look at signs that are going to effectively bring you happiness. Signs that accord with reality, signs that accord with truth, and so like the first sign of you know, all things are unstable. That's not something we have to believe in, but as we start to look at it, okay, maybe in the beginning there's a bit of a, you know, a bit of a, a shock. I say, my goodness, you know, I thought there were things that were stable and and ultimate and permanent, but there's no thing that's ultimate according to the Buddha's perspective, and there's no things that are ultimate. Stop trying to grasp the things that are ultimate, but just rather accord with the relativity of all things. Everything that's born dies. Everything that has arisen is going to pass away. And if we really take that on board and we really consider that, well then the chances are we start to experience a growing sense of aligning ourselves with reality. We don't have to be telling ourselves stories anymore. Or the second sign, dukkha all things are unsatisfying. Sometimes it's translated as all things are unsatisfactory, which, I don't know, in a way I find that kind of keeps it out there. It's like these things are unsatisfactory, but it doesn't really invite us to look at the way we relate to things. It's just like a view on things. Whereas to say that all things are unsatisfying, for me, brings into my awareness, well, Why am I relating to things as if they are going to satisfy me? There is nothing that's going to satisfy me, really. Uh, Grasping at all things is going to lead to the feeling of limitation and ultimately unhappiness. So looking at these signs, or the third sign, that uh, all things are not self, uh, again, it's not something to believe in, but an orientation of investigation that the Buddha encourages if you really want sustainable happiness, sustainable well-being, if you really want contentment, then it's important that the way we invest our attention, the way we apply awareness to experience, accords with reality. So as we go into the the new year, uh, as I've said on New Year's Eve, we've uh, no idea what the future is going to bring. Yeah, maybe the Mayans were right. and yeah, Maybe this is the end. But even the thought that this is going to be the end or the anxiety about it being the end from the perspective of now, from the perspective of reality, from the perspective of what we've got here and now, this thought, this perception, where's the problem? Is there a problem with the perception that it's all going to come to an end this year? seems to me that there's only be a problem if we make a story out of it, if we add desire to that perception. And not just about the whole world coming to an end, but likewise within and ourselves. The, the stories that we entertain within ourselves, the stories about who and what we are, our personality, our relationships, our goals. Yeah. On a conventional level, of course, we do have goals, we do have things that we want to be successful at and that's appropriate from one perspective but from a broader perspective from the perspective of awareness even if we grasp at our wholesome goals we spoil them. So the Buddhist perspective on the way to find sustainable happiness is to cultivate this awareness not a belief system not a naive reaction to the stimulus agreeable or disagreeable that comes to us but by the cultivation of awareness and investigation. So thank you very much this evening for your attention.